you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the August 4th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Broken Records, Extreme Weather, Call It What You Want, It's Climate Change, written by Jan Wondra. The Chafee Shuttle Announces New Executive Director, by Jan Wondra. D Street Apartments Project Prepares for Phase 2 Demolition, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. Bennett Democratic Lawmakers Mark Anniversary of Inflation Reduction Act Funding, written by Daniel Smith. And Biden reverses Trump decision, keeps U.S. Space Command in Colorado Springs, written by Daniel Smith, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Broken Records, Extreme Weather, Call It What You Want, It's Climate Change. This posted by Jan Wondra. The month of July 2023 just ended. It is in the record books as the hottest month in the history of the world while humans have been around, or at least in the past 120,000 years or so. It will obliterate the record for the hottest recorded month, upping the record by a formerly unheard of potential 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. In fact, according to a report from the United Nations World Meteorological Organization, and the European Commission's Copernicus Climate Change Service, it was hotter this past month than anything we've seen in the last 80 or so years. But then again, humans only have data for about 100 years or so, an era considered the sweet spot in planet livability for humans. This past month is the latest in a string of records that have made the past nine years the hottest in the history of our planet. Anyone who can read data knows we're in trouble. On July 27th, the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, made an urgent speech in New York, warning that the only surprise is the speed of climate change, saying, climate change is here, it is terrifying, and it is just the beginning. He declared that the era of global boiling has arrived. Add to the extreme heat, the extreme weather, that feels as if it is all happening at once, and we could be forgiven for wondering what on earth is going on. The answer is that on earth, we humans continue to screw it up, pumping billions of particles of CO2 and methane into the atmosphere, fueling an accelerating climate crisis. And the ultimate irony, as the temperatures have surged across the affluent parts of the world, people there are cranking up their air conditioning, creating an endless cycle of climate disruption. In the U.S., Canada, all across Europe and Asia, at this time of year, summertime temps are supposed to be warm. But records fell day after day, week after week, not just across the United States, but across the globe. It isn't just daytime temperatures. Nighttime temperatures are unnaturally high. In Phoenix, where the city endured 31 straight days of temps over 110 degrees Fahrenheit, 
the average maximum temperature in July was 114.7 degrees, and the average minimum temperature, even at night, was 90.8. Across normally temperate Europe, where most homes aren't equipped with air conditioning, scorching temperatures rose above 105 degrees even along the Mediterranean, where wildfires caused mass evacuations from 2,000-year-old villages and shut down ancient Greek tourist attractions. In Canada, millions of acres are burning. Air pollution reached extreme levels across a broad swath of Canada and the U.S., Biodiversity is threatened everywhere. Coral reefs around Florida are dying, where ocean temperatures last week topped 100 degrees. At the poles, ice sheets are melting. Permafrost is thawing, releasing methane from forests buried tens of thousands of years ago under ice. Glaciers are disappearing on mountain peaks around the world. It's winter in the southern hemisphere right now. But you could be forgiven for not knowing. Across the continent of South America, the temperatures are double normal, and in places topping 100 degrees. How do scientists know that we are breaking records that go back 120,000 years? Researchers read what are called proxy records, things like ocean sediments, coral reefs. And air trapped in polar ice cores to investigate the temperatures of the more distant past. Temperatures aren't the only extremes. Wild weather from massive hailstorms, record-shattering flooding, tornado outbreaks where they have never occurred, extended droughts, damaging straight-line winds, and extreme air turbulence threatening air travel may herald a new kind of normal. The summer monsoons that normally cool southwestern states arrived late, but at least have arrived for now. Just as concerning as all this extreme weather is to our daily lives now, is a dire prediction for the future. A new study published in Nature Communications last week, titled "Warning of a Forthcoming Collapse of the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation (AMOC)." This is the current that makes life across major Earth masses of the globe possible. It flows from the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico northward along the eastern seaboard, past Greenland, then across the Atlantic to Europe, picking up salinity, which causes it to descend and start back southward. This circular conveyor belt makes food production to feed Earth's eight billion people and our human-friendly climate possible. The new study predicts that CO2 and methane continuing to fill our atmosphere could shut down this conveyor belt as early as the 2030s, and almost certainly before 2100. We might live much more than a mile above sea level and tend to focus on the now 20-year drought along the Colorado River basin. But this sea disaster can and will impact us in ways we don't even know about yet. It will surely disrupt climate patterns. In fact, the extreme heat, as opposed to just hot summer weather, is predicted to linger through August, with federal health officials warning of the health impacts. They report the most vulnerable people live in 26 states, notably the South and Southwest, as well as the Pacific Northwest, and in rural areas. 
According to a relatively new monthly report drafted by the Health and Human Services HHS Department's two-year-old climate change office, among the highest risk counties, roughly 45 percent have high levels of uninsured adults and children, and 18 percent have high senior populations. It has been a shocking summer in many ways, said HHS Climate Change and Health Equity Office Acting Director John Balbus. We have all kinds of phenomena happening that are either extremely rare or unprecedented. While the U.S. Health and Human Services Department might have created a climate change office to focus on the public health aspects of climate change, in the current political climate, that doesn't mean it is funded. Scientists have pressed for more funding to study the effects of climate change on health conditions such as asthma, COPD, heart conditions, aging, depression, anxiety, and increased dementia. But the requested $5 million 2024 budget increase to the paltry $10 million budget was cut. STAT reports that the House Republican-led budget proposal slashes CDC's budget by 18 percent, in part by eliminating the Climate Change Initiative, which committee leadership called a controversial program, along with firearms research. This does not appear to indicate that our elected officials are on the same page about climate change, let alone mitigating its relentless impacts. That story, broken records, extreme weather, call it what you want, it's climate change. And next up, the Chafee Shuttle announces new executive director, this posted by Jan Wondra. The Chafee Shuttle, a free year-round transit service designed to increase mobility options for residents, businesses, and visitors, today named Mike Bischoff, the organization's new executive director. The Chafee Shuttle is excited to welcome Mike to the organization as we work to increase transit services in south-central Colorado, said the Chafee Shuttle Board of Directors Chair Kate Garwood. Not only does he understand the importance of affordable and accessible transit options to advance mobility in rural communities, but he comprehends the critical role transit plays in improving air quality, individual cost savings, and reduction in traffic. We are confident Mike will advance our organizational goals, help increase transit services in our communities, and raise awareness of the benefits of transit for residents, businesses, and visitors alike, added Garwood. Bischoff recently served as the Deputy Director of the Chafee Housing Authority, CHA, an independent public organization focused on increasing access to affordable housing across the county. Prior to his role at CHA, Mike spent over 25 years working in the funeral service industry in various leadership roles. Bischoff is joining the Chafee Shuttle during a time of expansion for the transit organization as it prepares for a rebrand in the fall and expanded services between Buena Vista and Salida, Salida and Howard, and new routes in the San Luis Valley. His experience at the CHA aligns with the Chafee Shuttle's mission of providing affordable, accessible transportation to residents and visitors throughout the Arkansas and San Luis Valleys. Much like housing, transportation is a social determinant of health. 
It is imperative that we increase mobility to those who live, work, and play in the mountain valleys, said Bischoff, who graduated with a B.A. in business from Xavier University and an M.B.A. in accounting and finance from Thomas More University. I'm grateful for my experience at CHA as it's prepared me for the role transportation plays in our community's overall health and well-being, added Bischoff. In addition, I'm looking forward to advancing the Chafee Shuttle's impact on serving our region's environmental, housing, and workforce needs. The Chafee Shuttle is a nonprofit shared ride and public transit service that is free for everyone all year long, with both fixed routes and door-to-door services. It provides transportation for medical appointments, work, shopping, and social activities throughout Chafee County. The Chafee Shuttle also links to transportation services going to Alamosa, Pueblo, Crested Butte, and Denver with the Bustang Outrider. That story, the Chafee Shuttle announces new executive director. Up next, D Street Apartments Project prepares for Phase 2 demolition. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. It's not that it wasn't expected. It was. However, the behemoth machine lumbering down a ramp off its trailer on D Street at first in Salida was almost a week ahead of schedule. Neighbors across the street hung out on their balconies, curious to say the least. The flashing lights of an escort vehicle in front of the long-abandoned, infamous D Street apartments caught the attention of Arc Valley Voice as dusk approached shortly after 8 p.m. on Tuesday night, August 1st. The apartment block and the adjoining apartments at 233 East 1st, now owned by the city of Salida, are slated for demolition. In partnership with ArtSpace, the city plans to turn the parcels into workforce and artist housing. A significant grant from the Department of Local Affairs, DOLA, is funding pre-construction costs, such as asbestos abatement, demolition, and site preparation, among other prerequisites. Phase 1 asbestos abatement began on July 24th with a crew, minor equipment, a water trailer, and what appeared to be an air compressor to generate negative air pressures inside. Phase 2 demolition was originally scheduled to start sometime next week after the asbestos removal was certified as complete and tested as safe to proceed, but the massive equipment has arrived ahead of time. A lucky break frees up the excavator to arrive in Salida sooner than planned. Arc Valley Voice reached David Ramsdale, Executive Vice President of JKS Industries, in his Greenwood Village, Colorado office on Wednesday afternoon. Ramsdale explained that the excavator would have been headed to another job in Lakewood, Colorado. But schedule changes freed it up earlier, and the standing order to truck it to Salida, which would have occurred after the Lakewood job, got unexpectedly hot-shotted by the logistics company. To the surprise of JKS, city staff, and the public, the machine got to Salida before it is actually needed or allowed to do any work. With its hefty weight and wide load size, the demolition machine had to be fully escorted in transit. Ramsdale quoted to AVV the entirety of an email sent to City of Salida officials that he wrote as soon as he knew the machine was en route Tuesday night. 
I apologize in advance if the premature delivery of demolition equipment causes any angst, he said. He went on to outline the normal sequence of events for an abatement and demolition project like this. While several steps may be performed concurrently, he also said that notification of neighbors and city officials prior to major equipment moves or work steps is paramount in their work. JKS Industries has completed large demolition projects throughout the Front Range, and Ramsdale acknowledged that such projects in smaller cities like Salida are not everyday occurrences. Rest assured, every protocol and every requirement will be met before JKS commences with demolition activities, said Ramsdale. Additionally, I will be personally overseeing the transfer between asbestos abatement and the demolition phase and be present for critical work to ensure compliance. In a lengthy telephone interview, Ramsdale detailed the typical process of building and highway bridge demolition projects, as well as the state, county, and municipal safety protocols that are required for workers and neighboring residents. Ruben Domingo, asbestos abatement lead, and the entire team at JKS have been very responsive and great to work with, said Salida City Administrator Christy Dune. We look forward to a successful completion of this exciting project. AVV will continue to cover both the initial asbestos abatement phase as well as the heavy structural demolition of both apartment complexes in a story series that follows plan for alternate routes and parking in the area. In the meantime, if readers' travels include D Street between 1st and 2nd, or traversing the alley from D Street to E Street, you should plan on congestion or detours in the immediate area and consider alternate routes to the post office, library, and beyond, at least for the next few weeks. Other heavy equipment may soon follow and need to be staged in the area. This D Street apartment project has been a long time coming. The two buildings have sat empty since 2017 when they were deemed uninhabitable by the Chafee County Building Department and Salida Police Department. Removing them for new construction is a positive next step toward providing a significant amount of workforce housing within walking distance of the downtown historic and creative districts. That story, D Street Apartments Project, prepares for Phase 2, Demolition. Also in the news, Bennett, Democratic lawmakers mark Anniversary of Inflation Reduction Act funding. This posted by Daniel Smith. In an August 1st press release, Colorado U.S. Senator Michael Bennett announced that Colorado Governor Jared Polis and Colorado U.S. Representatives Yadira Carveo, Joe Neguse, and Brittany Peterson will celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act's passage Wednesday by highlighting the law's landmark investments in clean energy, domestic manufacturing, local economies, and the American people. Signed into law in August 2022, the Inflation Reduction Act made historic steps to confront climate change, reduce the national deficit, and lower health care and prescription drug costs for Coloradans, the release stated. Bennett also recently announced $74 million secured in funding priorities in fiscal year 2024 for 78 community projects across Colorado under the usual congressionally directed spending process. 
Among the projects is $300,000 for Jane's Place, a multifamily affordable solar housing project. The funding will be provided to Chafee County government. Bennett and Senator John Hickenlooper requested the project funds, approved by the Senate Appropriations Committee, and which are expected to be voted in the full Senate by year's end. Also in the lengthy project list for funding were the following. $800,000 for facility upgrades at the Care and Share Food Bank of Southern Colorado in Colorado Springs. $1 million for a dental center at Pikes Peak State College in Colorado Springs. $975,000 for an ecological prediction lab, airborne overage to study water and forest health management at the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory, RMBL, in Crested Butte. $2 million for the San Luis Valley Health Workforce Housing Project in Alamosa. That story, Bennett, Democratic lawmakers, mark anniversary of Inflation Reduction Act funding. And next up, Biden reverses Trump decision, keeps U.S. Space Command in Colorado Springs. This posted by Daniel Smith. On Monday, President Joe Biden made the decision to reverse former President Donald Trump's end-of-term decision to move the headquarters of the U.S. Space Command to Huntsville, Alabama, officially designating Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado Springs as its location. Colorado U.S. Senators Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper, both of whom advocated for the base to remain in Colorado, have welcomed the decision to permanently base U.S. Space Command at Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado Springs. Over the past two and a half years, we have repeatedly made the case that the Trump administration's decision to relocate U.S. Space Command was misguided, Bennett commented. Today's decision restores integrity to the Pentagon's basing process and sends a strong message that national security and the readiness of our armed forces drive our military decisions. Colorado is the rightful home for U.S. Space Command, and our state will continue to lead America in space for years to come. For two and a half years, we've known any objective analysis of this basing decision would reach the same conclusion we did that Peterson Space Force Base is the best home for Space Command, said Hickenlooper. After two investigations and rigorous review by the Department of Defense, the administration has made the decision that's in our country's best interest. Most importantly, this decision firmly rejects the idea that politics, instead of national security, should determine basing decisions central to our national security. We're grateful to the service members and civilians who serve at Space Command, keeping us safe at the cutting edge of this new frontier, he added. Negative reactions quickly came from some Southern Republicans. The Associated Press reported the location debate is entangled in the battle with Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville and the Defense Department over providing travel for troops seeking reproductive health care, including abortion. Tuberville has stonewalled hundreds of military promotions in protest of the policy and criticized the decision as partisan politics. Officials said that reproductive rights played no role in President Biden's decision. 
That story, Biden reverses Trump decision, keeps U.S. Space Command in Colorado Springs. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.